So Mary has gone us started thinking about routines. And uh, as we continue on that this morning, I wonder what your routines are. Are they to do with your teeth brushing, washing your hands, these days especially? Uh, then on top of that, there are our religious or our spiritual routines. And that's what we, we really want to talk about. In the context of the church, uh, we might think of communion as a routine. And it's a habit that we properly develop. And it's actually something that we were told to do, just as we will see the uh, Shema in Deuteronomy is what Israel was told to do. We're told to remember the Lord Jesus. We're also told not to forget about gathering together. And so in these days, that's a, a particular challenge for us to ask, well, what does it mean in the middle of a pandemic to still assemble together? And we appreciate that you are coming to be part of us spiritually and in spirit as we share the live stream with you Sunday by Sunday. Sabbath is a routine that was well established in the Old Covenant. And then Jesus said, now here, here's an important thing about routines. It's not that the Sabbath um, was something that man was created for, but rather Sabbath was created for man. Um, because it was a routine that was a gift that God gave to us. And we do really well to understand that every routine, every habit that the scriptures encourage us about um, is always out of God's heart of generosity and kindness and out of his knowledge of what kind of beings we are and how important it is for us to remember to have routines. One of the things that we often see, mostly in the Old Testament, is that Israel kept forgetting to do things that they should do. They, they didn't remember. They forgot. And so we, we need to be careful not to forget things that are very important to us. The routines that I, I think of individually, that I think um, in this beginning of the new year would be helpful for us to, to think on, are the routines of Bible reading and prayer. And we're going to talk today more about the aspect of Bible reading, but also prayer. Uh, I remember a few weeks back we, we talked about Psalm 92 in the second verse, and how there's a lovely encouragement there that tells us every morning we should concentrate on the hesed, on the kindness, the loving kindness of God. And then in the evenings, um, we should be careful to consider God's faithfulness. And there's just a simple little sermon, if you like, if there's something that you would like to begin doing this year, it may be that you begin your day with the prayer of depending on God for his, his covenant loyalty to you in the events of that day, and then in the evening to thank him for the ways in which he's been faithful. So chesed in the morning and faithfulness at night would be a good way to wake up and a good way to lay down our heads for a night's sleep. Today we're beginning a series of talks on what's called the Shema Israel. And that comes from uh, Deuteronomy, and Mary's already alluded to that. And I just want you to hear what it sounds like um, to, to pray the Shema. And uh, Jory, is the son-in-law of Dean and Mary Martin, and Jory is Jewish, and so he very kindly has just um, said the Shema for us, and he says it with his hand over his eyes, covering his eyes, which is what the Jewish folks were in, in, 
encouraged to do so that they could concentrate, so that all distractions, all distractions, distractions would be out of their way, their way as their they way. thought about the importance of the words that they were about to pray. So here, very briefly, is Jory uh, telling us the Shema. Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Echad. That was it in its entirety. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Those are the words that Jory just said for us from Deuteronomy. The Shema Israel. If you've been noticing on the slides, there is a Hebrew character. It is the letter Shin, and I'm not going to give you a whole grammar lesson on Hebrew grammar, but the letter Shin is very important, and it, it connotes much more than the simple letter. Um, two of the things that we might think about as we think about the Shema are that the letter Shin is the beginning of the Shema. And you'll see uh, behind me, the, on top of the fireplace, there's the whole word Shema, and Hebrew writes from right to left. So you will see the Shin as the first letter in the word Shema. And uh, Mary has already told us about the mezuzah. And the mezuzah, which looks like this, is a little container, uh, as Mary told us, that contains uh, the Shema. And on every mezuzah, you will see the letter Shin. And uh, that will remind those who are uh, trying to be faithful to the Old Covenant law that uh, as, as they touch the mezuzah on their way in, um, they are really uh, experiencing the Shema, the Shema Israel. Uh, what it says is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And then, and your neighbor as yourself. Now that is not found exactly in the Deuteronomy passage. And so why would we add that at the end of the Shema? It's important for me to identify that first just now. Uh, because one day when one of the scholars in early Judaism was talking to Jesus, he, he asked Jesus a very important question. He, he said, of all of the laws, which is the most important kind of law? Or what, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus said, well, what do you think? Um, Jesus was a master at, uh, we, we call it Socratic learning now, which is basically the, the matter of putting questions back to people. And this person seems to have been sincere been sincere, he wasn't trying to trick Jesus. He said, what is the most important law? And Jesus said, well, what, what do you know? What does, what does the scripture tell you? And he says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength, and your neighbor is yourself. And Jesus said, you, you've got it exactly. If you wanted to know how to have eternal life, how to have a relationship with God, how to please him, you would obey these commandments. Now it's interesting that the young man has added his little addendum to the Shema Israel. 
where he says, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we find that actually in the law, there's not only the first part of the Shema, but many times there's also this second implication of obeying, that if we love God the way that we're told to love, we will also love our neighbors as ourselves. And so in this teaching series, we're, we're going to look at the first part. We're going to look at what it means to love the Lord our God. And then the second part, or, or a series after this, as we enter Lent together, will be our thinking about what it means to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so we will be encouraging you to join us in many exercises where we try to show our neighbors our love for them. And in today's climate, it's a very important thing that we are known, not only as people who are faithful in their relationship to God, but we're faithful because of that in our love for one another. We need to love our neighbors as ourselves. And that this is a very important week for us to even consider that. But that's what was on the young teacher's mind. And he probably had heard Jesus before. So when he said what the answer was to his question, he said what he thinks Jesus believes and probably what he has heard Jesus say. And so there's a book entitled The Jesus Creed by a, a theologian called Scott McKnight. And he would suggest that every believer should have this routine, uh, the routine of the Jesus Creed, which is the compilation of the Shema Israel, and then the second part that is added as Jesus talks to the young uh, ruler, the young uh, scribe or scholar, whatever he was. And we actually find that little discourse or something like it in all of the gospel records. So it's very important um, that this is an articulation of the law. Shema Israel. I'm going to invite you to watch with me a, a really instructive video. There's um, a ministry called The Bible Project, and if you've not had a chance to find them, they're worth finding. Um, just search for The Bible Project and you will find umpteen videos. And they have a little series of videos on the Shema. And today we're, we're going to start talking very simply about the first word of the Shema. Uh, here, O Israel. And the, the Bible Project have graciously given us permission to watch this together on our live stream. So come with me now and let's ask the question, well, what does Shema mean and how do we apply that? Very short and informative as we begin to think about the Shema Israel. Um, Following the, the text of the Shema Israel, um, here's the instruction that God passed on to them through Moses. He said, These words which I am commanded you to, commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So that's where we 
come up with the idea of the mezuzah. And you might also have noticed in, in the practice of Judaism these days um, that oftentimes if men are praying, or if you see a, a, a picture of them praying, they will have the tefillin or teflin on their forehead and on their arm. And it's a leather box bound up uh, on the tefillin and the mezuzah is the letter Shin. And so in both cases, it's a routine that is established for the practice of the Jewish faith um, to remind them to Shema, the Lord your God. So we need to just pause at the very beginning of this and try to grasp this, that it is the, the two sides of the same coin, not just listening, but hearing and not just hearing, but also obeying. When one of our boys was growing up, several times we would have conversations with him, and he would look at us and respond to us by saying, I hear the words you're saying. I don't know what they mean. It was a little bit of a belligerent reply, but it was, it was kind of true to we were saying things, but he wasn't understanding what those words meant. So the whole notion of the Shema Yisrael is that, that it's not only a matter of hearing the words, but it's understanding the words and obeying the words. And so that's why the children of Israel are given these explicit directions about what they're supposed to do. And if you were to sort of ask God back, well, how intent are we supposed to be about all of this? He would say, well, let me just be very specific. You need to teach these things diligently to your sons. Well, what does it mean to teach things diligently? Uh, God is saying, the truth that the Lord is your God and the Lord is one is a fundamental truth of your faith. And so you need to, to inculcate the value of this belief in your, in your whole family and in all of your life. And so the observant Jewish follower um, would morning and evening say the Shema Yisrael. Uh, it, it said that the Shema Yisrael is the single distinctive mark of the Jewish faith. Uh, if a Jewish person is dying, um, they, they hope to say the Shema at the point of death, um, that this is absolutely foundational to their faith. And as we inherit a, a faith of a relationship with the covenant God in Christianity, we properly talk about our having a Judeo-Christian heritage because this is the very foundation of our faith. If someone were to say, well, what's the short form of Christianity? That would kind of be the very same question that the young lawyer person was asking Jesus. What does it all come down to? Um, how many things do I have to believe? How many things do I have to know to really be a faithful person or to get eternal life? And the answer is essentially this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. And we're going to parse out those ways in which we are required to love God. 
and the second part of it, and, and your neighbor as yourself. That's what Christianity is. God is love, and when we follow the theme of love through the Bible, we find that to be affiliated with this God or to be aligned to him, connected to him, is to be connected to love. There are many things that are said about God, uh, things that are what he does and what he has by, by way of his attributes, but we're simply told that God is love. There's, there's nothing else. God is love. The Apostle John, in writing one of the very last letters in the Bible, said if anybody says he knows God, but doesn't love his brother, he, he, he's a liar or he's deceived. He doesn't know the truth. Because God is love. And if we are to be people of God, we are to be people of love. Loving God with heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving our neighbors as ourselves. And so, the diligence that God is requiring, the, the routines that God is requiring of, of those who are following him, is that this is to be talked about. It, it's to be taught in the sense that we um, give to our families the routine of the Jesus Creed, if we go with Scott McKnight's uh, version of this. And again, how regularly do we need to practice this routine? Well, God says, because I know that you are forgetful people, and he does know that about us, and, and we know that about ourselves, God says, um, you need to talk of these things when you're sitting in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. What's excluded? What other activities are there? That's the whole day, from wake-up time in the morning until going to bed time at night. and. God says, and I'm going to give you some visual reminders as well. Um, you're going to have a way that you will have something on your hand. In a sense, God is talking more figuratively, but it has been practically applied um, in, in the Tefillin. But uh, in the doorposts mezuzah and in the Tefillin is, is God saying, how can I express to you that this needs to become an absolute routine of your life? So as we think about beginning this new year and new routines, um, and we maybe position ourselves sort of like the, the young lawyer guy, uh, and we say, what, what should I concentrate on this year? What are the things that are really important? What routines do I need to uh, start or continue or or maybe even end. Uh, people who are talking about how we're doing through the pandemic are, are making all kinds of suggestions to us. One of them is that it's a good opportunity to go through all the things that you routinely do and ask how many of them are really vital, how many of them are really necessary. And if you have the opportunity to carve away at that list, what should you carve away and what should be left? Um, God's answer for us is very, very, very evident that our relationship with him is the single thing that is most important. And the articulation of that relationship with him by our conversing about him and with him is at the core of our identity. Many years ago, um, Anna Beth and I 
and our kids joined with other families, and we would camp every summer in the Soyuz in British Columbia. It's the most beautiful little spot, the only real desert actually in Canada. And so we would go there together. And one of our friends um, had his birthday every time that we were there camping. And Craig's dad would always come and visit Craig for Craig's birthday. Craig's dad was a lovely um, Brethren Assembly elder, as it turned out. And um, Bob would inevitably find a chance to talk to me. And he maybe did to everybody else in the group as well. But as as, as we would find an opportunity just to kind of walk along the lake or whatever it is, he would, he would stop and say, Ian, what, what is the Lord saying to you these days? What are you learning? What are you reading? He had various, various ways of asking that. And I don't remember ordinary conversations with Bob. Um, he, he was a, a government uh, person in the endowment lands and um, the UBC territories did an important job and all of that, and he was, um, but we never had any conversation about that. Every conversation we had was more along the lines of, of the Deuteronomy 6. As we were walking in the way, he would talk about how my relationship with God was. I've referred oftentimes to my walking with my dad and my grandfather, and a few years back we had the chance to go with some of our kids back to the area where we, we would walk together. And I remember distinctly how many times my grandfather would prompt my dad to talk to me about his faith. And it was, it was just a directed obedience, I think, of, of this passage from the Old Testament. And so as we look at this year and sort things out, um, we would do very well to to maybe use a shin or something that will be the, the kind of trigger for us that there was for the Old Covenant people in realizing that articulating our relationship with God is very much at the core of our being. As we think about that, and we try to um, drill down into the idea of hearing, really hearing, really listening, um, how do we do that? How do we make sure that the very first word of, of the creed is something that we're paying attention to? Because we're very good at just hearing things and then letting them pass away. We, we allow our ears to work, but we don't allow our hearts and our minds sometimes to work. So I thought I would remind you of what we call the Lectio Divina, um, which is a way to involve ourselves with scripture in such a way that we are, are more inclined to really hear, to really understand, to really obey what it's saying to us. Uh, I went to, to school to learn theology and to learn the Bible and sometimes sad to say the place where people's faith is most shallow is in the context of studying the Bible because it's easy to study the theology of the Bible. It's easy to study the doctrines of the Bible. It's easy even to get animated about that and to separate ourselves out from one another. Um, when it is our uh, academic focus or pursuit, 
And so I, I remember one time my friend and I, um, we actually went on a bit of a pilgrimage in the summer months to try to find a more vital Christian experience than we were finding by just studying the Bible. So I'm not a stranger to being able to just read the Bible and not have it become um, intrinsic to us, you know, soaked into to our beings. So the Lectio Divina is, um, over the years, what I've discovered is the most effective way to not only read and understand academically or intellectually, but to have it soak into our minds so that we, in fact, are uh, paying attention to the beginning of all of this to hear. So Lectio Divina began as a, a Benedictine practice by St. Benedict in the 6th century. Uh, so it's been around for a long, long time. And if you go and search that on the internet, you'll find all kinds of versions of the Lectio Divina. It, it simply is Latin for divine reading, so it's not terribly profound. But it usually incorporates these steps, and I'll just remind you of them. We've uh, once or twice before actually gone through and, and thought about this. Um, the Lectio begins by reading. And I've often suggested to people uh, there's, there's some merit in, of course, reading great volumes of the Bible, great passages, long passages. But there's also great value in taking a short passage of four or five verses, maybe even one verse, and saying, um, I don't want to pass these verses by without really shemaing them. So the beginning of it all is to read, to simply read, sometimes read aloud, sometimes read together, sometimes read two or three times, sometimes read in several versions, or listen in several versions. And then the second step is to reflect. Um, it is to just sort of stop and hear what I've been hearing, or hear what I've been reading. Uh, I, I will suggest to people often that you read until something arrests your attention. Uh, you read four or five verses, and there's a word or a phrase, and you get stopped at that word or phrase. Many times in, in my preparing for sermons, uh, some of the things that have become important to me have simply jumped out. There may be a word or a phrase that I had not noticed before. I, maybe had studied the passage before, or taught on the passage before, but for some reason today, just that word or, or that phrase has a, a new sort of impression on me. And that's the idea, is just to read until stump, something arrests you, something causes you to stop. And then what you want to do is to reflect on that thought is to meditate on that thought, to, to ask, well, what does that mean? What did it mean when it was written down the first time? What do I think it means in terms of what God wants me to understand? And much more than that, what does it mean in terms of the development of my spiritual life, of my growth as a Christian? And we, we often sort of wonder about how it is God actually says things to us. And I, I would just contend that, that the most normal way for God to talk to us 
is by this very process of Lectio Divina, that when we read something and we're able to slow ourselves down well enough and to meditate on what it is, we need to understand that it's probably God who's talking to us. It's probably the Spirit who's taking God's things and kind of speaking into our stuff with them. And once that has happened, uh, then we need to consider how we're, we're going to respond to that. What is God telling me about himself? What's God telling me about myself? And what am I going to do about that? Then to rest is that process of just soaking, just letting the, the insights that have been coming into my mind and into my spirit to soak into me. Once a week or so I take a bath. Annabeth thinks I should take more showers than I do. But these days I don't think I need so many. <laughs> But at least once a week, I'll take a bath. And you know what the best thing is about a bath? It's just soaking in it. You know that, how you get in the bathtub and it's burning hot to begin with, and then the heat radiates through your body, and you just soak there. You feel like just staying there for a little while. And that's what this is. It's saying the Word of God to us is not an academic text. It's not, it's not a creed per se, even as we talk about that today, but it's something that wants to soak into us. And when there is a thought that comes, or an insight that comes in, in the Lectio process, resting is just letting that stay there. Um, you know how many times we, we read something and we think we've got it, and then we go away, and we apparently have forgotten it. It might even have really arrested our attention, and we think, okay, I will, I'll be sure to do that today, or I'll be sure not to do that today. And then, before you know it, something happens, and you either did or didn't, in, con in, in contradiction to what you decided. So there needs to be enough time and space to let this soaking take place, to rest in what is true. And sometimes there aren't a whole lot of things that God wants us to really, really absorb. Um, it, it may be that in a year, maybe even in this year of 2021, um, there are just a few things that God really wants us to get. And it would be okay if we were just looking for those few things, or if God chooses to impress us through the year of particular insights that we have read, we've reflected on, we've responded to in terms of saying, yes, I want to, to experience that, or I want to do that, or I want to know that, and in which we have rested, and then resolve is simply saying, okay, I won't forget this. This will not just pass by as sound um, that came into my physical ear, but it's sound or sight or, or reading that has passed into my being in which I have rested and let it settle and I have determined that I'm going to live differently or with greater
greater insight or with greater obedience than they might have before. So with those things in mind, I, I bring you back to the Shema Yisrael and say that this might be a good one for this few weeks anyway, for us to practice our Lectio Divina and just say, well, what exactly does this really mean? Because as far as God was concerned, his instruction to Israel was, this is what I want you to focus on. As far as Jesus was concerned, as far as our Christianity is expressed, Jesus was saying, this is it. This is what you need to focus on. This is what you need to rest on. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. We're, we're going to take that apart and try to understand it. And much more than that, try to apply it into our lives. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. What does that mean? With all your soul. How do I love God with my soul? And with all your might. And why is there a fourth area that we find? Heart, mind, soul, and strength. How, how, how does that all fit together? And then, um, and your neighbor as yourself. Imagine if we were just, as we come in several weeks to the season of Lent, what if, if, if God were to somehow make this alive in us that we will love our neighbors as ourselves thoroughly if we were to be willing to rigorously look at the way that we love ourselves and care for ourselves and say whatever that is um, I will love my neighbor that same way I'd be resolved for that so Shema Yisrael is what we're going to think about um, we're going to meditate together and I trust that at least um, this for this whole year is one of the things that the Lord might use to establish as a routine in our lives. Um, maybe you'll decide to say the Jesus Creed morning and evening. Maybe it'll be something you'll um, pray in a, in a regular kind of a way or you'll just remind yourself of in a particular way.